Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. This is our fourth week uh, working through the Psalm of Ascent from uh, based kind of on the book uh, Long Obedience in the Same Direction by Eugene Peterson. So this week we're talking about service and what it means to serve and your position before the Lord and why you serve. And so I uh, hope you enjoy it. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. You can go to your Google Play Store, your app store, and search for Casper Alliance Church and download our own app. Look for the double C's, click download, and you'll be connected with us right away. If you like social media, you can check us out on Instagram at Casper Church. You can check us out at facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church. Uh, we'd love to connect with you. Have a great day. You don't realize the bit. The baby strat is real. It, I mean, it works. We had like, we, in our first ministry, we had like two kids that would come to youth group, and then all of a sudden Caleb was born, and we had 7,000. Wow. <laughs> Just like that, overnight. Actually, it was like 12, but it was cool. Hey, Pam, I, that second song you sang in the second set, that was really good and meaningful, and um, I appreciated it a lot. And this, this question of uh, who's worthy is a question I think we're all asking, or even like lost people ask. And like, why should I follow this Jesus of Nazareth that you talk about? Why should I? And this idea of he is worthy was just, it was really meaningful and it hit me. And it really, it kind of lends into like this morning, accidentally on purpose. I don't know. You, you know more than I do on this stuff. And so, um, I just appreciated it. And I think, I think one of the struggles of, of today is we are continuing to ask the question, even as followers, like, what, what is going on? What is this all about? Like, what's happening? This doesn't make any sense. And then you, you add the, the whole um, lost people dynamic to the world to where they're, they're craving for something real and authentic to grab a hold of, to give allegiance to. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 123. Now, I said that I would probably never read um, from this book that we're kind of, we, we've used as a framework for the topics for the next 14 weeks, uh, long obedience in the same direction. Honestly, it's just the Bible passage, Psalm 120 through 134, and the, the header theme, you know, repentance, uh, providence worship this morning to serve but this last chapter um i have read it a couple different times again and i hannah you said something in the hallway how good it was and i reread it again i'm like this chapter in this book is really good and i'm going to read it uh, just like a couple of paragraphs and i that's never been my intention but it's just so good somebody else's words are you know are always better than my own but it, it it's very um this concept of serve and how we put a framework of, of, of service as a disciple, like, and service meaning an activity, like I need to do something in the church, I need to serve in the church, and, and at its core, that's not what service is in my mind. And so we're going we're gonna to try to get into that a little bit, that when I, when, in fact, when we ask, like, like Gary even stood up this morning and was like, hey, we need people to step up, we're going to, we've been sending around a thing, we want you to serve in security. There, we need help in youth ministry and kids ministry and, and all the different areas of ministry that are growing. And this fall, we're going to be launching out some new stuff with discipleship. And we're going to need people to serve 
And, and most of the time we connect that to some sort of task or job that we do. And so as I, as, as I work through the psalm and try to unpack it a little bit, talk about it a little bit, um, I hope that we change kind of our framework when we think of servant or think of serving or think of serve. So let's look at Psalm 123. And let me pray. Father, I pray this morning that, it, again, it's your words, not mine, that you reveal all that needs to be said and that everything that I say that's confusing is melted away and only the truth comes out. Lord, we love you and we're grateful for this morning together. In Christ's name, amen. Now remember, we've been going through the Psalm of Ascent. The, the core concept here is the pilgrim's journey and the pilgrim's journey uh, from exile back to Jerusalem. And, and just kind of some of the different, uh, and, and again, this book has been kind of my own personal, like, topical framework, and, and it's given us a discipleship picture of all of these just like, kind of like big word topics that a disciple does, or a pilgrim following Jesus does. The first week we talked about repentance. I'm just going to recap again. The, the main idea, the big idea from repentance is you have to be so disgusted with where you are that you turn and you run the other direction. And Psalm 120 kind of creates a framework for that. Like, I need to repent and I need to look to you, Lord, and you only. My help comes from nowhere else but from you, and, I, and I'm tired of living this way. I want to run towards you. The next week was, was providence. Again, this idea of looking to, the, looking to the hills. Where does my help come from? That God's hand is on you. And the idea of providence is that God is for you. And he's working out his plan through, from history to current to the future, that his plan is going to come about. This morning, was that Revelation 5 you guys read this morning? Re I've been studying Revelation because in the fall we're going to be doing Revelation. Revelation 5, that's the future providence that God, God's going to unlock this thing that's going to continue to happen. But the idea is God is for us. He is for us and his people, and as his people, the, what he's accomplishing on creation is for our benefit. doesn't always feel like it. Doesn't always like it's not always the thing that we want, but his he's in control. And then last week I talked about worship, and the big the big reveal or the big idea was you have to decide to worship. Worship is a choice. It's a decision that you make as a person, as a follower, that I choose to worship God. And I choose to point my my words and my my allegiance and my song and everything towards Creator, God of the universe. I'm choosing to worship. Today we're talking about service or serve. Let me read this psalm to you. Psalm 123. Again, you have the same picture. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord, our God, for his mercy. Just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal, have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy. For we have had our full fill of contempt. We had, had more than our fill of the scoffing, of the proud, and of the contempt of the arrogant. What word is said three times in there? Mercy. One of my favorite movies uh, of all time is the movie Gladiator. Uh, when we lived in, in uh, Hopkins, Minnesota, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities, it's a horrible town filled with horrible people, except for Adrienne and I. We were a beacon of light and hope there. Yeah. <laughs> but we had, it's like you could drive through Hopkins, you didn't even know you were there. And, and I didn't know there was a downtown Hopkins forever until like one day when we moved to Minnetonka, we drove through, I threw, I'm like, whoa, there's like a whole downtown area here. That's strange. But we lived in this apartment complex. It had like three different structures. 
you know, we were all, all on top of each other. It's an urban area, and, and it's a suburban area, but we lived there. And I would clean, I would clean our apartment to the movie Gladiator. Well, I would put Gladiator on in the DVD, and I would watch the opening battle sequence, and then during all the boring parts, I would go clean a bathroom, or I'd go clean a living room, or I'd vacuum, or I'd dust something, or I would leave the dishes for Adrienne to do, and then I would clean the other bathroom, and then, but seriously, I had it mapped out every Sunday that, uh, that I would be able to clean this part, part of the house, and then I would be able to sit on the couch for like eight to ten minutes and watch the good parts of Gladiator. Gladiator, the movie, can really, it's like, you, it's a two and a half hour like, movie, it's like a 40 minute movie in all actuality. Like, the only, the only good things happen within 40 minutes. So the, the moral of the story, it takes about two hours to clean our apartment, 40 minutes to watch Gladiator. But one of my favorite parts of, of the Gladiator movie is when Russell Crowe, the character, reveals who he is. But and, and the, what's happening is basically just blood and guts and killing each other. It's awesome, right? It's a man movie, and I love it. And I still do, and I made the kids watch it, and they were bored. Like, they really were bored. Like, when does this get good? I'm like, he's going to cut his head off! But every time they'd fight, the crowd would, would yell and yell and yell. And th the whole point was they would ask for mercy or not mercy. And then uh, what's, what's the uh, Joaquin Phoenix character would either put his thumbs up or put his thumbs down. And, when, you know, and the, my favorite part is the reveal where, yeah, I'm not even going to give away the story, but where he's asking for mercy. Should I give mercy to this guy or should I kill the gladiator? And you, like, they're all yelling, mercy, mercy, mercy. And so when I think of mercy... I think of uh, Russell Crowe not dying. That's what I think of. I think of letting somebody live. And that is such a bad example of mercy. But that's, how, that's, my, that's my brain and how I framed mercy. That you either live or you die. And I think in a lot of ways, that's how I look at God. God's mercy on me is either he lets me live or lets me die. Your mercies are new every morning. Meaning the idea is I woke up this morning, you let me live. And so in some ways, I, I kind of picture God as Joaquin Phoenix. In, in like thumbs up, thumbs down. Every morning. Like I, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'll be like, oh, thumbs up. I get to go another day. But that's, that's how I th my brain thinks about mercy. And that's not mercy at all. And I'm not going to describe mercy like in a, in a deep and meaningful, like theological way, but I, I am going to put it in a, in a personal, I think, for us. What is, what is mercy supposed to be for us? And so I, I encourage you all to clean your house to a gladiator, and, but mercy at its core is posture. And when you think of posture, again, how many of you think of you like standing up straight or at the edge of your seat standing up? That's kind of right, but our posture before God is what mercy encapsulates. How we stand before the Lord. When I, when I think about meeting Jesus, I don't sing, think, sing the only, I can only imagine song. Like, that's not what's going through my head. Like, I'm going to dance, I'm going to, like, I, I, I have the cower and fear experience. I have the reminder of all of the things that I've done, or the things that I've said, or the things that the people I've wounded, or where did I go haywire, or the churches that I've led astray down a dark path of theology that I didn't quite mean to, that all of a sudden were heretics accidentally. Like, I'm serious, that's what I think. 
When I meet Jesus face to face, what am I responsible for? What if, what, and, and that's when I go, mercy, please, because I know that you could wipe me out because I have been in charge or have led or been responsible for the leadership of multiple teens, of children, of adults, of small groups, of college students. Now, where are they now? And there is, every now and again, I go through my Rolodex of, of the who's who of, okay, that person, yeah, I'm so grateful Sarah's making mosquito nets and saving people from malaria. Oh, that freaked me out. That person came out of the closet. And I, I have this whole thing of like these, these stories in my mind of people that have, have gone all over, that I've been in charge of or the discipler of, to where when I meet God face to face, he's going to spank me because of how bad I've been. Look into the text. We keep looking to the Lord our God for His mercy. Just as a servant, a servant keeps their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy. Think about that. When you think of a, a servant to a, to a slave master, do you have a beautiful picture of a loving, budding relationship where they're co-equal workers? Is that what you think of when you think of a slave master? No, you think of somebody cracking a whip. You think of somebody abusing somebody, a marginalized person. One of the great parts of, of Gladiator, if you know the story, he started out as a slave. Well, he, that's where the story starts out. He started out as a Roman general. But, like, but the, where the story picks up is he was a slave. And the only way he could have freedom is if he bought, fought his way through the Gladiator arena. There isn't this like loving, beautiful relationship between the slave master and the slave. Again, I'm going to read it. Have mercy on us, Lord, just as a servant keeps their eyes on their master. It's posture. How are you before the Lord? So I'm revealing transparently how I am before God. I freak out a little bit because I'm kind of scared of the, the consequences of, of what a kind of, again, I'm going to repeat myself, what kind of husband I've been, what kind of father I've been, what kind of pastor I've been, what kind of man I've been, what kind of son I've been, what kind of friend I've been, what kind of neighbor I've been. I feel responsible and, and a burden for that. And it, it, sometimes it freaks me out, like all the time it freaks me out. And then, but then, when we, when we think about the relationship that we're supposed to have with God, we're not taught that. We're, I somehow I picked that up along the way. Maybe it's because I understand the consequence theologically, biblically, of my sin and my behavior. I understand what Jesus had to go through from a biological standpoint when he went on the cross to die for me. I have faith in the activity of what Jesus did and that he died and was raised again, and I trust in that. So I understand. So that's why that song was so important to me because he is worthy of, of the punishment of all the things that happened for me to have life. And so, who is my master? God is my master. Now, I've been taught all my life that God is loving, that God is faithful, that God is for us. I yelled about it just a couple of weeks ago that God is for you. And that is true. My position before him and how I put myself before him is my posture trusting that he loves me to show me mercy because what I actually deserve is punishment. What I actually deserve is condemnation. What I actually deserve is eternity 
in half. But because of his loving kindness, him being for his people, and my faith in him, I receive mercy. Now when you come from a position of that, it transforms, it should transform how we interact with God. And I don't think God wants us to be the whipping boy. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to say that God wants us to feel that way. I'm revealing how I feel sometimes. God wants us to have a position of allegiance to him. Wants us to say, you are my master. You are in ownership over me. I am beholden and belong to you. I am a servant to you. And it's not, it starts out, I think, out of fear. I do, I do. I, listen, I've told it before. I watched the left, or not the left behind, the ones before that. A Distant Thunder, A Thief in the Night, those movies. I came to Jesus 5,000 times because of those movies. I was so scared to get my head cut off that I, it was crazy. Like, that, that is the way I found Jesus And then at camp, they scare you too. And I found Jesus at camp again. And I was like, I'm committing my life to Jesus because I'm so scared of what's going to happen if I don't. And then that's how it starts. Like you're you're fearful of what's going to happen, the fearful of the consequence. You understand the reality of the punishment. But then that that does bloom into you are my master and I trust and 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 you are worthy to give me rules. You are worthy to give me leadership. You are worthy... To give me, to give me a, a, a discipline. You are worthy to point me in a direction. You are worthy to hold me accountable. Do you understand that part of our struggle in, in the Christian world is we have such a difficulty, difficulty in saying, you're my master, God. You're my, you are over me. It is a very difficult thing to submit yourself to another human being, let alone to submit yourself to the big hand in the sky that can smack you, that can punish you, that can give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Your mercies are new every morning. We don't want to submit to something like that. We don't want to be subservient to a thing like that. And so this is why the psalmist says, look up. Look up to God. I lift my eyes to you, God, who is enthroned in heaven. I am your citizen. You are my master. I am part of your family. And I'm looking up to you. And I'm going to keep looking to you. I'm going to consistently look to you. So we have a posture before the Lord. And then we look up to him. And this is our, so posture is how we present ourselves before God. And then our plea before the Lord. Are you begging for his mercy? Let me read a little bit from this book. Because Eugene Peterson says it better than I do. This is, see, if you come look at my book, you'll see it's the old yellow-paged one. I'm reading from page 62. I'm going to read like, I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs. Position, plea. God presents himself to us in history of of Jesus Christ as a servant. With that before us, it is easy to assume the role of master and begin ordering him around. But God is not a servant to be called into action when we are too tired to do something ourselves. 
Not an expert to be called on when we, when we find we are ill-equipped to handle a specialized problem in living. I'm reading this next line, and, and I find myself in it. The theologian writes scathingly of people who lobby around in the courts of the Almighty for special favors. I just prayed for favor for you guys. Plucking at his sleeves, pestering him with requests. God is not a buddy we occasionally ask to join us at our convenience or for our diversion. God did not become his servant so that we could order him around but so that he, we could join him in a redemptive life. Too often we think of religion as far-off, mysteriously-run bureaucracy to which we apply for assistance when we feel the need. We go to the local branch office, the church, and direct the clerk, sometimes called a pastor, to fill out our order for God. Then we go home and wait for God to be delivered to us according to the specifications that we set down. But that is not the way it works. And if we thought about it for two consecutive minutes, we would not want it to work that way at all. If God has got it all, He must know more about our needs than we do. Amen. If God has got it all, He must be more in touch with the reality of our thoughts, or our emotions, our bodies, than we are. If God has got it all, He must have more comprehensive grasp of the interrelations in our families, our communities, and nations than we do. When the Bible uses the phrase heaven-dwelling God, and it, does, and it does use it frequently, it is not saying anything about geography or space. Biblical writers neither ge are neither geographies nor astronomers. They are theologians. They describe with profound accuracy the relation between God and persons like you and me. A relationship between God, between the Creator and the, crea and the creature they coordinate our knowledge of God who loves us with our experience of being loved. They tell uh, the story of God who leads us through difficulties and document it with our experience of being guided. We are not presented with a functional God who will help us out of our jams or entertainment or an entertainment God who will lighten tedious hours. We are presented with a God of Exodus and Easter, the God of Sinai and Calvary. We want to understand God. We must do it on his terms. If we want to see God the way he really is, we must look to a place of authority, to Scripture, and to Jesus. That hit me hard because our position oftentimes before God is like calling in an order. Now we believe in the power of prayer and inviting the Lord to intercede on our behalf and to pray for those in need and to ask God for favor for the Aeons as they head onto a campus. We believe in all of that. That is all true. But too many times our position before the Lord is, is just this plea of, can you take care of this and take care of this? And can you do this? And can you do this? And at my convenience, at my timing, and if we don't get it the way we want, we become discouraged. And when we're discouraged, we tend not to follow our master. Amen. And when we don't follow our master, we're not serving anything. And so there's this, there's this connection that I need us to t make that we have to look at God differently if we expect to have joy in serving. So how many of you get burnt out by just working, working, working in the church? I mean, it happens. We just get tired of it. We're, like, we're doing so much. 
Because that's how we framed service. And just like everything else here at the church, we want to do it a little bit differently. I think serve and serving and service has everything to do with your relationship, position, and plea before the Lord. And I, I think no matter what, there's this, there's this mystical, magical, spirit-filled activity that begins to happen when people cower or bow or put their face down or lie prostrate before the Lord and say, you're my master. You have not, you're compelled after that moment to begin to do something. And that something, I think, is more valuable than the sign-up sheet, sorry, Gary, that you d- d- say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to step up and I'm going to, I'm going to be a pipe busting security guy. So if somebody breaks in the church, I can protect weak old Jason up front because I know he's not carrying anything because he moved from a liberal state like Michigan. Listen, guys, they're making burgers. What an exciting event that was. I don't know how even to go on with this. What a day. I didn't have a pile of expectations. That's one of the things I wasn't expecting. All right. Everybody understand what I'm saying? You tracking with me? All right, let me pray. We're done. I have a lot more, but we're going to be done. It's t- you guys can even go away. <laughs> Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for... Uh, Lord, I believe that you interrupted my message. And I didn't have anything else worth saying. And so, Lord, we're going to leave it at that. Lord, help us to have a position before you to where we, are, we look at you as our master. And that we cry out to you, have mercy on us, and that develops and forms a deep relationship to where we expect you to move in our life. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Amen. That's the last thing. I do need to say it. When you have this position and plea before the Lord, there's an expectation that begins to be birthed out of the follower of Jesus. An An expectation. Now, here at our church, we say we expect more. That's one of our core values. And, and when you have a relationship with the Lord, you expect, there's an expectancy that he is going to have some sort of involvement in your life. And if you don't expect him to have involvement in your life, you will, I promise, will just be stagnant, frustrated, disappointed. And think of a pilgrim making movement, right? That involves saying before the Lord, you're my master. I trust you. I love you. I believe you are for me. I'm going to decide to worship. Lord, have mercy on me. And that will produce inside of you some sort of movement, action. And here at this church, we're not going to dictate that. We believe that as you discover who God is, and you discover how you are in him, you will find things to do, and you will be filled with so much joy in doing it. Hear that. When you discover who God is, which is ongoing for all of us, and you discover who you are in him, you will do stuff. You will serve. And you just won't, you won't be able to help it. You'll have so much joy in serving. I needed to say that last part. You're dismissed. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>